Hey guys, on this week's episode, Alana joins Scott Cleary on his Successful Stories podcast, where Alana goes in-depth about her success in the nutrition business. Let's have a listen. All right. Thanks again for joining me. Today, I'm sitting down with Alana Molstein, who is one of the most sought-after weight loss experts in the world. She has an incredible practice in Beverly Hills. She is an acclaimed speaker, influencer, best-selling author. She sits on the prestigious executive leadership team for the American Heart Association. Uh, She has her own weight loss program that over 250,000 participants have signed up for since it was created. Uh, She also has a ton of clients at UCLA. And in her private practice, um, she's launched uh, a membership program. She has a new book called You Can Drop It, and she has... An incredible story that I, you know, I was doing some research, and you went through an incredible story to get to to where you are today. So thank you for sitting down. Um, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I don't speak to a lot of people that have gone through uh, the life change that you've gone through and then built a business out of it. So I'm really curious. Walk me through your origin story. How did you get to where you are today? Uh, thanks. Thank you for the introduction. I uh, was morbidly obese as a kid. I was always very overweight. I was always the um, most overweight kid in the class, the biggest kid in the class. Uh, teased a little bit, not too much uh, because it was a small school, but definitely my weight was always an issue and a talking point amongst everyone who felt the need to comment on it. And uh, my parents got divorced when I was eight years old. I think that was probably around the time that my weight gain started accelerating higher and higher. And uh, my parents and doctor really sent me to weight loss camp at just eight years old. So at eight years old, I went upstate New York to this very well-known weight loss camp where you have to take your before pictures and your after pictures and get the measurements and go on the scale in front of, you know, a line of a hundred people and all that deal. (laughs) And, um, I had to follow like the strict diet and work out like 10 hours a day. And I came back to school like eight, nine years old. And, you know, I got all the compliments and it was exciting, but I couldn't sustain it because my family didn't change their ways. I didn't change my ways. So I just gained all the way back and more. And I did that again at 10, at 11, at 12, at 13. I would just keep going Hmm. to weight loss camp, lose the weight, and then gain it all back and more. And over time, I would just get larger and larger and larger because you could gain a lot more weight in 10 months than you can lose in two months. So um, I topped off at around 215 pounds and I was only five feet, two inches tall. At the time, I was a young teenager and going into high school and I had a turning point in my mind where I was like, enough's enough. I'm going into high school. I do not want my weight to be this constant yo-yo fixation, obsession, talking point point of identity for myself and how everyone else knows me. I want to be known as being someone who does. <laughs> Sorry, I just really loud on my end. I don't know if it's in. Um, oh, no, no, I, I was just, I didn't, you just, you just totally cut. No, no, I'm sorry about that. I apologize. Uh, keep going, keep going. It was, and, yeah. No, no, go, go, go. Because yeah. I can get how, like, first of all, how stressful this is as a kid, right? Like, First of all, the yo-yoing is when you get older, I'm sure it gets much more detrimental to your health is, but still as a kid, that's like traumatic, like your mental health, psychological totally. health. This is not fun. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I think I just rustled some papers there. My bad. My bad. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, no, but my, it was definitely detrimental to my physical health too. My doctor was seeing that my 
blood sugar levels, my cholesterol levels were what she said you would typically see in maybe like a 50 year old man. And again, I was like this young teenage girl. So uh, I changed my mindset. I was like, enough is enough. What am I doing at least in the summers that I could take with me during the school year? You know, I would always like kick the scale to the side and say, oh, I don't want to see the scale. But over 10 months, I would it would be shocking when I went back to camp and see how much I gained. So I was like, you know what? Let me at least go on the scale like at least once a week or a few times a week to make sure that I can, I'm actually keeping the weight off. I actually know what's taking place. Stop being in the dark about it. Um, and then I remember in camp, you were always allowed seconds for salad, but nothing else. So, you know, you would only get one slice of, you know, the whole wheat pizza or whatever, but you can go up multiple times for salad. And a lot of my friends would be fine and content, but I'm a volume eater. I always need and love to eat lots and lots of food. So I would actually go up for seconds and thirds of whatever they would let me have. So I realized like I'm a volume eater. That was always fine there. Maybe it could be fine at home. So I went from snacking on popcorn at night to you know, defrosting boxed frozen like cauliflower or broccoli florets and microwaving them with, I can't believe it's on butter spray and salt and eating that instead of popcorn and trying to use all these tactics that would help. And I always worked out, but that was never the thing. It was always a matter of my food choices. So it, you know, exercise may be more important as you get older uh, potentially, but really it always comes down to food. I always said food is everything, exercise is extra credit. I had to change my eating ways. So I started really studying nutrition. Even in high school, I knew that I was starting to lose weight and interested in nutrition. And I like started reaching out to some well-known dietitians in New York City, trying to intern for them, trying to sneak into their college courses, because I knew that I was starting to lose weight for the first time on my own throughout high school. And people were starting to ask me, like, what are you doing? Even my friend's mothers were like, who are on Weight Watchers, were like, what are you doing, Alana? You're, you're looking better. And I knew that if I was ever going to advise other people on what to eat, I wanted the utmost credibility in it. And for myself, I wanted the like expertise, the real deal and the actual knowledge of what to do, which meant you had to become a registered dietitian. And mm -hmm. I'm not uh, the student type, at least up until that point, but I knew I wanted to make this happen. So I did this like pre-med, really intense dietetics major, and I became a registered dietitian, got later on my master's degree in nutrition, taught courses and courses at UCLA, leading this weight loss seminar there while building up my private practice and, uh, you know, really had this amazing private practice in Beverly Hills, which I still have. But I did still feel like there was a missing piece of that everyone I was working with was seeing the most amazing results. Not only mm -hmm. were all my clients telling me that they're losing weight and feeling good, but which always felt good to me. But when they would talk about like, there's something different, you're doing something that's different. Like I can't explain it. I've done everything in the past. I've, tr I've met with other nutritionists. I've done every other sort of program and this and that. Um, I've gone to Pritikin. I've done Weight Watchers, like all these things. Why is yours different? I don't know why I've never felt like happier while losing weight and in a way that actually feels like it can stay off. So I wanted to help broaden the message and the approach so it's not just exclusive to my high paying clients and UCLA participants. So I partnered with Beachbody the company behind NDX and Sanity, like just amazing global fitness and nutrition company uh, who are really masters at making you feel like the personal trainer is really inside your living room before like all these other people started doing it. So I partnered with them and we took my program 
uh, called the 2B Mindset. We named it. We did test groups on it. We really refined it. We turned it into a video-based program that now over 200,000 people are doing, maybe 200, maybe closer to 300,000 people actually are doing it now, and which is pretty insane. And uh, we launched a membership, a monthly membership called uh, the Mindset Membership, where it's like more advice tools. Like I'm in hair and makeup because we just filmed the whole morning, like how to read a food label, like a little hmm. bit deeper, um, how to end late night eating, like all these additional things one would need. We have going for you there. And I came out with a book that became a bestseller, thankfully. Um, and while still seeing private clients. So hmm. uh, I'm always, I'm always out there to help people lose weight. And that's always been my biggest goal and passion. And now I'm, you know, really passionate about staying doing that, but also thinking in other ways I could be helpful to the community and beyond in any way. That's an, that's an incredible story. Um, and, you know, congratulations on all the success. Now I'm curious, how did you walk me, walk me through what helped you or where you learned it was just trial by fire to build out this extent of a business? What prompted that like entrepreneurial mindset that allowed you to understand, okay, I want to uh, build a, a course business here. I want to uh, launch a book. I want to build my brand. I'm going to keep private in-house. Was it just gradual uh, evolution or was it purposeful? Was it mentor driven? What was it like? That's a great question. Um, my father was always an entrepreneur. Uh, he was in the sports business, represented some athletes, like before you had to go to law school. Um, and any of that, he just started picking up ball players when he was like in his twenties. Uh, he represented comedians, he represented musicians. So he's, and then he, you know, decided he was tired of touring and traveling with athletes and musicians. So he started his own rock and roll fantasy camp. Uh, you can go to rockcamp.com. It's like very much probably your audience. Um, uh, men love it. You know, they're always like, playing guitar in their, you know, living rooms as an accountant. And now they get to go away for the weekend and feel like a rock star. So he's always, you know, worked from home and had that flexibility, even though he probably worked way more than my friend's father's. Honestly, he still like had the office in the house and that sense of flexibility. So that was probably always, you know, desirable for me or something that I just knew and grew up with. And, um, I honestly never thought I was going to be on camera as much as I am now. I never thought I would be. I watched my father represent like celebrities. And I myself always thought if anything, I'd be a behind the scenes person like he is. Like I'd maybe help behind the scenes, never in front of the scenes. But when I started, you know, working with clients and explaining it, and when I wanted to partner with Beachbody and talk about how I want more people to be doing this, no one can explain it better than I can. I mean, I created it. So uh, mm -hmm. I knew if anyone was going to be explaining it and we we're going to doing it in the video and not a book uh, at first, I had to be the one to explain it, of course. And um, so that just naturally happened. I just, I, my master's was in nutrition, but specifically in health communication. And I really think one of my greatest skill sets is not just helping people lose weight. Uh, it's the way in which I simplify it so it's so digestible, uh, which is, you know, like pardon the pun, but yeah. it, that really, that really is a skill in of itself that I've really honed in and mastered because there's so many terms dietitians and doctors use like antioxidants, triglycerides. I mean, you hear them all the time. They're just buzzwords. Everyone thinks they're saying them because they sound intellectual, but at the end of the day, no one's actually understanding what they're saying and mm -hmm. they're getting hung up on it. And it actually 
breaks communication so people don't understand it. So instead they go and listen to this like, you know, little fashion influencer who's 16 and speaking on a seventh grade reading level and telling people to drink diet teas and all these things you don't want to do. So um, it's really that health communication pairing my simplified, super effective weight loss approach that is freeing and allows you to eat lots of food and never cuts anything out. And it's like, oh my God, it helps people melt down like 20 pounds in like a snap and up to over a hundred pounds. We have several people who've lost over a hundred pounds of the program um, in a way that's like really easy to follow, feels simple, feels just um, like there's a huge sense of freedom and ease when people are doing my weight loss program. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it, a lot of it came from my passion to help people. I am extremely passionate about helping anyone struggling to lose weight to help them because I think it's like this overcomplicated sense that gets people to not even start trying. I think they can feel bad along the way. And that just, you know, there's no point in that. So um, that's probably my passion with a mix of the role model that got me to where I am today. Well, it's I, I can see it. So you have passion, you have role model, you have framework, you understand like pain points in this industry that the reason why people aren't successful at dieting and you just you just took all those and you you just structured a business around it. Now, um, yeah. help help me help me understand because this is this is your world. So you're obviously successful at it. Two hundred fifty thousand people, three hundred thousand people, whatever it may be, teaching at UCLA. These are not like small milestones. These are like these are like yeah. these are big. These are huge. So what? I'm very aspirational. I I do. No, it's I, good. I, Listen, it's good. Yeah, Don't, yeah it's own it, I right? Love like it. that's. Yeah, yeah, and I think like there's a lot that's I I mean my father like I give him all the credit he never graduated college but he would always take out like if we were sitting at a restaurant if we were on an airplane he would always take out like a little napkin from the deli or whatever and start writing down with a pen like okay if I'm making five percent of this deal and this mm-hmm. deal is X Y and Z it's gonna look like this. And so he always, he did always like kind of get me into the business. And what's really funny, my father and I are super close. He's taking my daughter to the beach right now. We're very, very close. He's lost 50, 60 pounds with my program and has kept it off for years after doing everything. So we have a great relationship, but it's funny when I was in college, he doesn't like when I share this, but when I was in college, (laughs) I remember he called me and he was probably having a frustrating day in his own business and thinking maybe one day I would help him with his. And he called me and he's like, I don't want to pay for your tuition anymore. Like, unless you're taking, unless you're majoring in business, I don't want to pay for it. You know, like, I just don't see the value in it. And he's like, and it was like this big argument we had. And he's like, at least take some business classes. I need you Mm -hmm. to take some business classes. And I happened to have some that were required in being a dietitian. You had to take like one or two classes in the business school. And I aced those with no problem. I literally like just did so well in them. I think my mind is in business, which is Mm -hmm. why... I haven't shared this really elsewhere, but um, I am now currently developing a course for dietitians, nutritionists, and health coaches to get that ba- that business mind because hmm. you need it. You know, in order to build a private practice and meet with clients, there's so much that I've had to learn along the way that I wish more nutritionists had because I'm a firm believer that there are more people who need help than there are helping them. And I think there are a lot of nutritionists kind of banging their head, wanting to be helping people like one-on-one and all these things, but they're stuck and not knowing why. So, I mean, I just want to help as many people kind of see the ease of doing that and how they can be more effective and passionate about what they're doing 
um, at the same time. I like that a lot because I think that you brought up a good point before about how the influencer that has the best capabilities to market is giving really shitty diet advice. Whereas the person who is so passionate about diet and, and whatnot and, and physical health and well-being, they may not have this, the tools or the skills or the know-how to get that message out there, grow their brand and their business, right? So that totally. could be the, that, 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 again, you, you, see, you see that pain point, you're, 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 right, on, you're right on target. Um, I'm curious, when you, when you help people with, with weight loss, and I, and I don't want to, we can speak about the program and what you actually do with individuals, because it's also very okay. impressive, like, but what is, what is the thing that stops people from being successful? Because I think that's just a question that I always have to ask when somebody is excelling in helping people lose weight. Is it, is it motivation or is it understanding? Is it knowledge? What is that inhibitor that yeah. you've overcome? So I think all change like comes with fear. And I think people are so fair, like afraid of failing. They never even start. Um, and you have to be maybe scared of trying and failing, but even more scared to stay where you are. Um, so when that point is there, you can move forward. Um, but I also, I really think the thing that gets in people's way is God, I, I especially in 2020, I, it's shocking to me, anyone walking around like this, but the idea of all or nothing, I've never, I've never had in me, like that's not in my life. My parents, if anything, it was embarrassing as a kid. They were so fine being imperfect. My, my parents were not ever trying to be like Betty Crocker in the kitchen, looking great, serving cookies to the kids. My parents were like unapologetic about being divorced, about ordering and takeout, about leaving us with nannies if they wanted to go away. Like there was, and there was always just like, all right, roll with it, deal with it. Our room's messy. Like just, I, you know, we had kind of like a chaotic upbringing, uh, and it, we kind of just like made it like this happy mess, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I always saw the beauty in imperfect, the balance in imperfect, and the kind of like, all right, you'll take like five steps backwards, but you're moving 10 steps forward. So like you're getting somewhere. And I think, thankfully, that mindset allows you to say, okay, so I had like five chocolate chip cookies. That wasn't right. But you know what? there's still so much time in the day. Like I could still take a walk this afternoon. I didn't drink much water today. I could drink more, a little more water. Um, I already kind of did it with like the silly foods, the carb foods for dinner. Why don't I make myself like a big stir fry of like frozen vegetables and some chicken with like a splash of teriyaki sauce and kind of still make a good day of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what will really help someone lose weight and keep it off long-term. When people are like, Okay, in order to lose weight, in order to be successful, I need to prepare in advance. I need a quote unquote meal prep. I need to like perfectly make my meals for the next seven days. A lot of times people do that. They post a picture online. They tag me to it, like expecting me to be proud. I look at that as like, enjoy your week. What the heck are you going to do week two and week three? When mm -hmm. your kids make you crazy, your like grocery run doesn't go as planned because it's COVID and like all this stuff. So I think what really holds people back from success is just they don't have a sense of flexibility built in. And mm -hmm. the process has to be super flexible. And of course, everyone always focuses on the results and not on the process. Everyone wants the money. Everyone wants the scale to be down. Everyone wants like millions of dollars and a whole roster of clients. And they don't want to focus on like, why don't you make a social media account? Because that's 
free marketing. Like why don't, you know what I mean? Like all these yeah. things that you could be doing along the way. And then, you know, speaking of dietitians, I myself am included. We have all the education. We have the expertise. And there are all these like younger quote unquote nutritionists or whatever, trying to like take the spotlight and recommending these like matcha celery juice, whatever they can make <laughs> money on. And it's really frustrating. And as a dietitian for a I would say even probably a few years early on, I was like, it's not fair. I'm so jealous. Why are people listening to them? And then I was like, if you can't beat them, join them. Yeah. Right. And I just hit a million TikTok followers yesterday. So congratulations. That's so you're, yeah. you're, yeah, you got the marketing thing down because that's something like even TikTok is something that people can't or can't figure out yet. Right. For a lot of people, for right. a lot of industries. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. you can do it, uh, but you have to, you know, put the effort into it and be okay stumbling. That's what I'd say. Uh, that's really good advice. Um, I want to ask one more piece of advice from you for people that are looking for uh, help losing weight or or even in otherwise in life, but let's stick to losing weight because that's what we're talking about. When you're looking and to work- And that's how I think. Uh, I definitely think in weight loss. I always- Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, because the question I was going to ask was, when, when somebody looks for a coach to work with, and you know you can probably take this advice and look for red flags in any industry, but say diet and weight loss, someone looks for a coach, what, what, should, what should they look for? What are the, besides just going to your website and, and working with you, which I'm sure is a great idea anyways, but outside of that, right? They wanna work right. with the coach. Who do they work for? Who do they, or who do they work with, excuse me, and what do they not wanna work with? Yeah, great. Uh, I always recommend someone work with someone who, is honestly proof of product. You know, I literally have more education than like anyone. I mean, having <laughs> come not everyone, I'm just saying like, like in, when it comes to nutrition, like I understand, this is pretty yeah. much it. Like PhDs, dietitians with master's degrees, like this is it. I'm like, you know, the, fine PhDs, that's great. But like dietitians with master's degree, that's what you want to look for. Like that's someone who not only has all the knowledge and skill set but they are, we're governed to another board. Like as a dietitian, mm -hmm. we're part of a board of ethics. We can't just recommend garbage to people. Um, you just can't do that. So a registered dietitian is a really great thing to look for when you're taking nutrition advice or even reading a nutrition column. You want to look for those letters, RD, RDN, registered nutrition, dietitian, nutritionist at the end of the word, at the end of their name. Sorry, I had a long day of filming. Uh, so that's no, it's one. Good, it's and good, two, good. Yeah. two is, you at least want to find someone who's proof of product in terms of like they've they've lost weight. Like if you're looking for weight loss, it's really helpful to find someone who's actually lost weight. And you don't only want to find someone who's lost weight. You want to find someone who's kept it off. So again, like this definitely doesn't have to be me. A lot of people listening to this are currently eyeing their friend on Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is who did keto for two weeks and is starting to look better. Like. Why don't you wait two months to see how that person looks before you start adopting everything they're doing? And that's the problem is like, and that's why I'm so thankful because my parents kind of were my, you know, my first thing. My parents did every diet in the book. So the reason I didn't fall into quick fix diets is because I saw it. I saw it so clearly. I saw my mom do Atkins. I saw all the Atkins bars come into my house, all the every product they had. I saw all the wrappers everywhere because like it totally makes you overeat and go out of control because it's all you're eating. And then I saw short-term weight loss 
big term weight gains. So mm-hmm. um, you want to find someone who's not only gotten the results, but has been able to maintain that result. And I think that's really important because even in my private practice, when I took a break to really develop my program, because it was a lot, like I went to New York three times a month. It was like crazy. I was flying back and forth to New York because I was developing it, developing it with the New York City team. <laughs> Uh, from LA. And uh, I had to take a break from seeing private clients for the most part. And I referred my clients to another actual dietitian who had a TED talk and had all this going for her. She was beautiful. We met a couple of times. I felt so comfortable referring my clients to her. She was beautiful. She was intelligent. She was well-spoken. She was in the neighborhood. She was easy to get to. We had lots of conversations, but then I had some clients like kind of cry to me because they, she kind of triggered something from their past eating disorder or made them gain weight and all this stuff because the part I was missing is the fact that she never had to lose weight. So mm, that's, and I was sending her weight loss clients. So that is something to think about. I like that Which a is lot. again why I, yeah. this is why I needed my program to be like really accessible to as many people as possible because after that I stopped referring people <laughs> to anyone else. So I wanted to make sure that anyone can have access to it. No, I love it. I love it. And that's, that's, that is very good advice because I think the re- what I wanted to bring out was there's so much, there's so much dogma. There's so many people that are like diehard of following this person or following that person. And there's like this cult personality type thing that happens in fitness, which is really, I don't think healthy at all, to be quite honest, but you just fall into I, these I groups. Totally agree. You know, it's really bad. You see like, and you, all totally the diets agree. you mentioned, man, the diets, like people, if you, if you even suggest a diet, that's not in line with what somebody else believes in, like they get like violent about it. Right. Like, like it's, it's not normal. It's not Absolutely. normal. Absolutely. And it's really not normal. And I hate it too. Like I hate going to a dinner party or a restaurant. You hear someone like yeah. whispering about like calories or keto in the background. You're like, oh, can I enjoy my food? I'm so not <laughs> like that. But, um, the, you know, sometimes the craziest thing in the nutrition world and space on social media, especially what's fascinating is the small percentages of people have the loudest mouths. So it gives us false perception of what's working for everyone. Two mm-hmm. biggest examples are vegans and intermittent fasters. So it's shocking. Vegans in and of itself, small group, extremely loud. Not that many people, lots of documentaries on Netflix. So mm-hmm. it's like, even within, I have, I run a group uh, that's like 12, I run like a Facebook group, like 12,000 people on Facebook. And it's always like more vegan recipes, more vegan recipes, more vegan ideas, not enough vegan, which is crazy. Cause like we come out with the whole vegan meal plan every single month with vegan recipes. My whole slogan is veggies most. So there's tons of just like veggie recipes and so forth. And we have swaps on every single recipe of how you mm-hmm. can replace it with tempeh or tofu or anything. So, but so many people were saying there aren't enough vegan recipes. I finally pulled the entire group really specifically to find out, do you eat chicken, meat, pork? Do we like, like what exactly does everyone eat? When it came down to strict vegans, it was less than 4%. So, and you see that all over the internet and the same thing with intermittent fasters. There's a lot of podcasters who are obsessed with intermittent fasting. A lot of trainers are obsessed with intermittent fasting and it does work for them. Um, and it can work for some people, but at the end of the day, in myself studying others, 
it really doesn't work for busy moms who are feeding their kids throughout the day, who can't not have dinner with their kids and their family, like who can't not have breakfast. Like, and you can lose so much weight, be so healthy, not intermittent fasting. But again, it's a highly influential world. So I try mm -hmm. as much as possible. Again, like what drives me is not necessarily to have the fame, but it's like why I'm so proud of a million followers on TikTok is because they are impressionable teenagers. And I want them to know that intermittent fasting is not necessarily the end all be all because if they don't see it for me, they're going to see someone else saying it is. Very, yeah, no, very, very well said. Um, and I appreciate that a lot. I've never heard uh, social media positioned that way, but that's honestly, you're using it for the right way. You're using it the way it should be used. Unfortunately, I don't think many people use it that way, but that's, that's another discussion. So I appreciate that a lot. Um, I want to ask just some like some rapid fire, like life lesson insight questions from your career. Before I pivot, I always just want to make sure that is there anything that I should have asked about what you're working on now? Anything that you're excited about? Anything you wanted to bring up that we didn't touch on? I don't think so. I'm really excited about this course I'm developing. Uh, I think it's actually going to be a really big hit. And uh, I think there's just a lot of, I think there are a lot of people who want to have a career like mine uh, with the sense of freedom, making your own schedule and actually making money. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think there are a lot of people in the like giving economy, like yeah. in this, in, in the giving professions, like dietitians and nutritionists who feel like it's almost wrong to make money and don't see it that it's, it's a good thing to make money. Like it's a resource. And as a nutritionist, like health is wealth. I work with like high income CEOs, which I've worked my way up to. Like I've worked with everyone and in between I've worked with the whole janitorial staff at UCLA. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can work with anyone. Um, but it's, you know, I think when you give nutrition advice to people, they can be more efficient. They could save money down the line. Like they could provide for their families better. Like you're making the world a better place and that's worthy of high compensation. And mm -hmm. I think I've always known that and strived for that because I know with more money, I can do more. I can mm -hmm. give more. I can take an afternoon to film TikTok videos to, that's public health. So more people have access to good information and without money stuck at a job, you just can't do that. So no. uh, that's, that's definitely what I'm like becoming more and more passionate about because I realized in order to make the world a healthier place, which is always my goal, I need to get more evangelists like me out there able to do it. So, I think it's a very healthy view of money, and I wish more people would understand that, um, that it's it's never, never a bad thing. If you are if you are championing a good cause, you're doing something you believe in, that's the whole story behind entrepreneurship anyways, right? You need to make money to get your your brand, your vision. You have to be able to evangelize whatever it is. And like some of these could be, it could be tech, it could be health, it could be whatever industry. You can change the world quite literally, but you need, you need money and you need resources to do that. Um, totally. that's very, very impressive. And, uh, you know, I think that what you're doing for all the other, uh, for all the other, um, uh, health and nutritionists and res like RDs and whatnot, I really, really hope that works out because I think that Thank that's you. a group that they don't have a lot of structure in building a business. I don't see, I, I, I know some, and I know they don't exist. have a structure. Yeah. Just yeah. Wing it. yeah. And a lot of them are stuck at these like really boring, tiring jobs. A lot of them might even be replaced with computers and software. Like I mm -hmm. had so many thinkless, exhausting jobs, like inputting calories into software programs and stuff like that. Like literally almost like eliminating my future job there um, and <laughs> yeah. automating it. And at the end of the day, most dietitians aren't going into it because they want to input calories. It's because they want to yeah. work face to face with someone and make a difference in their lives. Very good. Very good. Okay. 
Um, first question, uh, you can go into as much detail or, or as little as you'd like, but I like to go through these because they summarize well. So first question, um, biggest challenge you've had in building out your particular business and how did you overcome it? The biggest challenge, uh, yeah, you know, um, early on, I'd say, I, I think like it's always confusing to know where to put your time um, and money. And like what, the biggest business mistake of my whole life was, which I still have like a bone to pick, but I, I've made it up because I just had a really good one. But I had for a long time, I was so mad at Yelp. Yelp, I thought like they totally took me for a ride. I wasn't making a lot of money at a time. They told me like I should spend thousands of dollars, which was so, like, I think I spent like $3,000. That was a lot of money. It's still, I don't want to spend $3,000 yeah. if it's not going anywhere. I'm really upset about it still. <laughs> As you could tell, they told me it would help me make more clients. I, I already was getting clients just by referral, by doctor, by all these ways I want to share in the course. But um, Yelp, it was like, I felt like it was such a scam the way they made mm. me pay and then not approve of any of the, when I asked my clients to actually rate me and review me and everything. So, you know, I think a, a big difficulty and struggle is to know where to invest. And that's why I really recommend not spending much money on marketing because there's so much you can do now that's free, yeah. like on social mm. media. Um, so, so I think that that knowing like where and how to market was always a, a tough point. Yeah, that's a, that's a big challenge for especially the first time um, entrepreneur, for sure. Uh, and you only learn usually, well, hopefully you can learn from others, but if you don't have somebody yeah. else, you learn from wasting a ton of money, right? That's really how you right. learn. Um, okay. Uh, where do you go to learn? Oh, no worries. No worries. Um, where do you go to like learn and stay on top of things uh, as an entrepreneur, as, as an RD? What's your go-to resource? You know, it's interesting. My whole my whole method with nutrition, my whole program is really has evolved into a lot of the mindset. So I've spent like six, seven years and continue to see the nutrition science behind things. But in my book, I talk about how I broke down nutrition and weight loss into three pillar system. There's nutrition, understanding nutrition. Mm -hmm. Then there's the environment. If you see it, you're going to eat it. There's been multiple studies proving that over and over again. There's books on it. There's studies on it. If you're hungry and your spouse ordered a pie of pizza, it doesn't matter that there's a salad in the back of the fridge. You're going to eat the first thing you see. So that is, so I really help people change their whole, like set up their environment because that's the easiest place to lose weight is when you don't even, like it's not a struggle. You're not mm -hmm. When you're facing temptations and trying to fight them, that's an exhausting way to lose weight. One of the reasons why people always say losing weight with me is one of the easiest ways is because like I set you up that it's just easy. Everything you want is right where you want it. And then everything you don't, and I show you what those things are that you don't, isn't there. So it's the environment piece. And then it's the emotional piece. Um, our emotions drive eating like nobody's business. People denied that for years until literally 2020, March, April, everyone was talking about emotional eating and emotional drinking. And I think now no one can deny the fact that they're an emotional eater up, even though up until now, people did try to still deny such a thing. Um, so, you know, now for ongoing knowledge in terms of how to help people lose weight, it's really studying people. It's studying my private clients. It's studying my huge online community, uh, studying my own self in the fact that I'm still maintaining my 100 pound weight loss through having two kids. There's always new challenges. So um, my ongoing nutrition research is, is really in 
my clients and what I'm seeing and observing, because thankfully I have such a large test group. So mm-hmm. I'm able to see and hear so much that might conflict. Like I wouldn't ever bash intermittent fasting or veganism or any of these things because I thankfully am so intimately in touch with, you know, 20,000 people at a time for weight loss. So I know that there's intricacies and things that some people do better with than others. Uh, And then when it comes to business, that's really like my hobby in terms of like podcasts and stuff I like to listen to. I listen to a few nutrition or doctor podcasts, but I love to listen to like how I built this. And I'm a really big fan. I've I've recently become friends with uh, Amanda Francis. Mm -hmm. She's like a a money and business coach. And uh, she just like is awesome in her idea and perception of money and has inspired me a lot. Very good. Those are those are two two different lenses, but also very important um, to combine to like especially what you're doing now, but also for others. Um, what is something in the field of fitness and health that you're researching that could be new, that could be uh, unsolved or or not truly mapped out that you want to look into more? Oh, great uh, question. Honestly, uh, products, uh, food products. That's really where I really want to focus most on. There are so many things we consume every single day that there might be healthier versions of it, but they're not sexy or interesting or ones that you want to use. Uh, So the areas that I want to dive deeper in is how to actually get the right things easier, quicker, and more fun to actually consume. Trying to study that a little bit. Very good. Very good. Um, a lesson that you would tell your younger self. Uh, you know, I, my biggest pet peeve when I hear people ask this question, I hate when people say, I would tell my younger self to calm down, know that everything will be okay. You don't have to work so hard. I hate when people say that you wouldn't be interviewed on a podcast for your success if you did that. So I truly disagree. Um, <laughs> if <laughs> that, nothing irks me more. Um, I don't like when people pretend like they don't try hard. Um, I like if I, I like when people are like proud of the fact that they work really hard. So um, when I was younger, I think I would just tell myself like, you know, keep pushing and things will work out. Mm-hmm. But don't slow down. Just keep going. Keep keep at it. So maybe maybe then instead of a lesson, you tell your younger self because you still have to grind. Mm-hmm. Like you have to. Grind. You're gonna grind. No. It's gonna be it's gonna be a total like you know pain in the ass, but you're gonna grind through it. So what about what? A, not a lesson. But advice that you tell somebody who's trying to build up their own business outside of you totally. said, watch out for marketing for sure. You have to understand what you want to spend, what you don't, but just general advice to starting a business. Is there something different or is that what yeah. you Yeah. You know, I, there's like a, there's that book and I, I honestly didn't even finish it, but like just the introduction was enough to get a lot from it. But the book, like the 10 X rule, yeah. I love the concept he shares in the beginning of the book, which is basically if you strive for $1 million and you strive for $10 million, it's probably not going to be such a difference in energy and effort from Mm -hmm. one to 10, which sounds totally crazy. Um, But, you know, I kind of see it with people who I'm working with who are trying to lose weight. Like a lot of them are like, I just want to lose 15, but I'm like, all right, but like, tell me the real goal. Like, what's the real goal? Like, let's just, just throw it out there. Like, don't be scared to say it. And we, typically get right back down to that real goal and far surpass that like innocent, shy, nervous goal that they threw out in the beginning. So I think the the best lesson I would give to, you know, younger people is like, don't be afraid to dream big. You know, what is it yeah. like reach for the stars, land on the moon or whatever it is. Yeah. So like, but it's good advice. Big. And I love, that is a good, the, the 10 X rule is smart. 
because I think that's a hundred percent on point. I've lived it. You know, I've lived, I've lived where I've gotten more than I ever expected. And the effort to get more was not exponentially more difficult than the first milestone. Right. So yeah, very, very good advice. Um, and last question, and then I'll get some, uh, socials and, and website and whatnot. What does success mean for you? It's a great question. Um, I, uh, I, you know, I have a lot of like family style goals. Like I mm. want, you know, to be able to support a large family. Um, and that's like, that to me is really amazing. Um, and I want just to be able to like, just give to charities and be able to not, I, I, I think like there've been points in my childhood where money just were so anchored in stress um, and became such like deciding points of things. And I just want to always have a very logical relationship with money and not have money be the steering of the right decision. So um, I don't necessarily need a kajillion dollars or whatever it is. Like I don't need to be blinging out on private jets, but um, I want to be successful in a way where I feel like taking on mentor, like taking on mentees and just the giving to charities and being able to things are things that because from the kindness of my heart, I want to do, I can do. And I don't feel like I'm sacrificing while I'm doing it. Cause like in the mm -hmm. past I've taken on, you know, interns more for them, far more for them than for myself. And at the same time, yeah. I'm like irked by that time. Cause it's time it could be spending making money doing something else. Um, and so I think, you know, success looks like something where like I have more than enough to support my family. And so I have like these time and resources to give in a way that feels like completely altruistic and fun and exciting and not like it's something like I, I actually can't afford to be doing. That's a good answer. Very good answer. Um, and the most important question where do people go to connect with you online? Oh, thanks. Um, Alana Molstein RD on Instagram. So it's I-L-A-N-A. -A. Hopefully you'll find me pretty up there. But there's always like Alana Glazer, that comedian, and I don't mind it because she's hysterical. <laughs> but um, it, it's I-L-A-N-A -A and then M. Uh, you should find Alana Molstein RD on Instagram. And on TikTok, I'm Nutrition Babe. One million followers. Not not Super bad at all. I'm just I'm pulling up all your social now, so I'll I'll link everything below. You have a, yeah. a website as well. Sorry. Yeah, and alanamolstein.com. And you know, one goal I have to, especially you know, trying to network with dietitians and help them out. I definitely need to grow my LinkedIn presence. Uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn too. I have to start using that thing. But you know, TikTok is just so distracting. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's uh, well. There's a, there's a huge opportunity on LinkedIn too. That's another another platform that you can really take Absolutely. advantage of. Absolutely, yeah. I I feel like it's a you know LinkedIn LinkedIn is a good one, and um and definitely if anyone is trying to lose weight, my book is on Amazon. It's called You Can Drop It, and uh, you can drop it. That's it.